On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking about the NBA strike that took place uh, mm. about one day, less than 24 hours, Tate. The Bucks decided they did not want to play against the Magic. Uh, they were protesting the Jacob Blake situation in Wisconsin. Um, and then that turned into a league-wide uh, protest, league-wide strike, which then spilled over into other sports. A sports-wide. A sports-wide strike. Um, and yeah, and it's just trickling down. And then today we got word we're, we're recording this on Thursday, Thursday afternoon. Uh, it's about four o'clock Pacific time right now. Uh, and we got word that the NBA has decided they're going to continue with the playoffs, uh, a short lived strike, but a strike nonetheless. Yes. And we lived in limbo for this period of time where no one knew what the answers were, but the answers weren't the important part for the, one of those yeah. times, one of those periods in time. So we're going to get to all that. We have Jim Jackson, who's going to join us we do, in yeah. that moment. So yeah, that, Jim Jackson was, uh, set to call the Bucks magic game. And yep. when the Bucks did not come out and then he, uh, very eloquently, I thought, um, had to basically you asked him about it he just like what is it like like you have all your notes ready you're ready to talk about like Giannis's shooting percentage from certain spots on the floor and then suddenly you got to make a statement on like what's happening at the world at large and we thought he handled it well but he's joining us to to talk about just what it was like in those moments and and what's going on inside the bubble uh all that kind of stuff great talking to him he's awesome he's uh he's 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 just I don't know perfect guy to talk to in this situation so Mm. And it's not because he's a Buckeye. It's because you actually yeah. <laughs> you believe he is perfect for this. Yes. Yeah, I do. I do like him like 10% more because one, he's a Buckeye. And two, like mm. he always uh, is nice to me. When he's yeah, he always he called you Mark the whole time. <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. very sweet and endearing. Yeah, yeah. It w- that wins me over. Uh, we are also going to talk about, we. you know, LSU fans are listening, crossing their fingers saying, please, please focus pass. on the massive yeah. issues of the day. Please do not talk about the other issue that happened in the world <laughs> yeah, of college they're, they're saying stick to politics. Yeah, stick to politics. Do not stick to sports. <laughs> yes. Bad news, LSU fans. We have to talk about Will Wade. Uh, we are not going to let this story just just fly under the radar. Uh, it is it is a blip, or it is a bomb, not a blip to us. Yes. And we must address it. So we are definitely going to be talking about how the NCAA is uh, making an announcement that an announcement will come later about the mm. announcement about possibly one day potentially punishing Will Wade. We'll One see. day, American <laughs> gangster Will Wade. Uh, we're going to talk about all that, but first, Will Wade. He takes the timeout. Technical foul. Technical foul. Technical foul. All right, Tate. As of this recording right now, it's been about 24 hours. I want to say maybe a little more. Probably a little. It's probably 27 hours. Who cares? Uh, but it's about a full day since the Bucks. The official word came in that the Bucks were not playing. They they decided uh, they were they were just not going to play against the Magic, uh, and and the, the the strike we'll call it. A lot of people calling a boycott. Other people that are more uh, informed, more uh, informed, are trying exactly to say it's a strike. It yes, uh, the strike became official, and I guess. Um, First of all, like we don't want to spend a lot of time belaboring this because you know the issue has listening to two white dudes talk about basically a cause that is driven by the black community and issues within the black community um, is not what America needs right now. So, mm. uh, but I, I just want to ask you, like, I, I want to focus less on that because we kind of have Jim Jackson. We're going to bring Jim Jackson on and talk to him more about like all that. Just like th- this was this was billed as it was happening. In real time, people are talking about how this is like a historic moment in sports. We've never seen like I certainly do not remember ever a time where something like this has happened outside of like the Olympics, you know, but the Olympics, mm-hmm. politics is baked into the Olympics, political things, social justice stuff that's baked in just by virtue mm-hmm. of having countries on your chest. 
uh, a professional sports league making this decision. I certainly don't remember. Let's not say it's never happened, but I just, maybe my memory sucks, but I, I, I never remember this happening. Uh, so in that, in, in the moment, it did sort of feel historic. The fear now moving forward is that they're, they're now back to playing. Um, so now that like we've had about 20, like, so does it actually matter in the grand scheme? Did they accomplish anything? I don't really know what, what just like now that you've had 24 hours to kind of watch it build and then get to wherever it is now. Um, what was, what was it like for you to just to witness it all? Yeah. To witness it is, is historical in the sense that it could not, you know, it, it almost was not explainable at one point. In fact, the Orlando magic, they go back into the locker room and they think there's still a chance that they're going to have a game. And I think you mentioned the Olympics. And I think the reason why it's such a, a comparison for this moment is because it's situational. Everyone's in the same place. Everyone, you know, is all there together in this situation. And that's how the bubble is. And going into the bubble, there were all the concerns. We, we've heard about the Kyrie Irving, you know, conversation. The fact that he pointed out before all this happened that he had some reservations before the guys go down there. And they were supposed to be meeting this whole time. But competition plays a role in all this. So, of course, guys are on different teams. And there's, there's a certain level of, you know, being split. And now they're coming together over the Jacob Blake situation. And the reason why it was such a phenomenon was because I remember Tim Bontemps tweeted. I, that was the first person I saw that it tweeted and was like, the Bucks have not come out for shoot around. Mm-hmm. And I saw the night before George Hill had gotten asked a question about the Jacob Blake situation. And he said, I don't know why we're here. This was a mm-hmm. mistake. And as soon as you start hearing that rhetoric and you hear the ripple effect, and I think, you know, a lot of people took from this that the NBA made this decision. I don't think the NBA made this decision. I think that the players on the Bucks made a decision for the Bucks and for I their think, state. Yeah. And then yeah. I think that there was a ripple effect across sports, which says a lot about this moment in time that it's not independently, you know, a team like the Bucks having to do this is that once the statement was out, then everyone followed suit. And I think that was why it was such a big moment. Yeah, and I don't. I don't, to be honest, I don't really know how I feel about that. Like, and and everyone, like, I, I don't know. The, 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 everyone following suit because it it can read sometimes like people are following suit because they feel obligated to. You know what yes. I mean? Like, yeah. And does that lessen the impact? Like, if the Bucks are the only team that sit out, and the Magic are like, we'll take the forfeit or whatever. I, I, I guess not. The answer is no, because like having the having the playoff canceled for two straight days uh, certainly is a massive impact. But then you, you start to wonder, like, if the Bucks weren't the first team that played, if the Rockets and Thunder tipped off game one, that's probably tipping off, right? Because mm-hmm. I, I do I, – I share the same sentiment that you do, that it feels like this was not particularly organized. And I guess that's the the bummer of it. Because, and what makes it feel like it only lasted for uh, one day is that I don't think this was, like, an organized effort. I think this was the Bucks saying we have the responsibility, given that this happened in our backyard – um and and and, to one of our teammates to one yeah yeah yeah. like they felt like like i don't think the bucks said we're trying to make this statement for all of sports and we expect the wnba to follow we expect mlb to follow we expect i don't think they had that in mind i think they were like they thought that they were going to forfeit a game against the magic and that they were going to go on about their day and that was going to be their statement personally for them and i think that's why this whole thing has gotten so many mixed messages and the the rhetoric has gotten all confused because that's i think that's where some of the players that weren't on the bucks had frustration because they wanted maybe a unified decision and now it has come out as a unified decision the league has jumped on it the rest of the teams have jumped on it and it's become we're all together in this and now the owners are trying to to do more yeah. you know we see that the houston's going to open up their arena for voting for you know mm-hmm. um 
like as a place to get people registered to vote and for voting itself. So, I mean, th those things are like trying to get tangible results. I mean, it was the lieutenant governor from Milwaukee was on the phone with the Bucks in the locker room. They wanted to do a press conference to update, you know, the the the, the citizens on what was going yeah. on there. So, I mean, this is a if you want to talk about uh, sports and platforms and things like this is heavy. Like this is like Congress, you know what yeah. I mean? And it's the NBA and these guys are basketball players and they're being put in this position. So it takes a lot of courage to do something, to try to say something. Yeah, I, and it, and, it, I, and it, it's just, it's a moment. It's a big I don't moment. think the criticism of them not having a fully fleshed out plan is fair. Like, listen, it would be much, much better if they did. It would be much yes. better if the moment. The WNBA is what we're seeing with, with, with a full out, we have our yeah, planks, we yeah. have our platform, of, here's what we're trying to of do. Of course yeah. that would be better. Of course it would be more to have coherent points. We expect this, this, and this. Of course. But I don't think it takes away from the the bigger picture which is i i think the milwaukee bucks just felt helpless i think they they look at themselves and in, in, in a small market like milwaukee they obviously are kings giannis antetokounmpo is is maybe the most powerful man in wisconsin whether like he literally is or just whatever like the guy you know it, it's a small market situation i guess aaron Rodgers is probably maybe a little <laughs> more important than him and wisconsin but you get my point yeah. that, that that this isn't like in their minds they're thinking all right we have a ton of influence. Maybe we don't have power. Maybe we can't enact law. Maybe we can't, but we do have something and we're helpless. We're seeing the situation unfolding and nothing's really happening. We got to do something. That's all it is. And it's just like, like the, the definition of insanity is going through their head. Like if we don't do something different, the same things are going to continue. So let's do something. What can we, what can we do in a bubble? We're thousands of miles away locked in this little bubble without our families and all that like what can we actually do well we're supposed to play this game what if we don't play this game like that's something right like i feel mm -hmm. like that's what kind of sparked it and 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 it's kind of unfair to then expect them to have like legislation fleshed out that they're going to now propose to the wisconsin you know yeah because that's professional like, this is per yeah. this is a personal reaction that doesn't in, fall in a on professional them. situation what, what, exactly. that, that's not their responsibility their responsibility is to to use their platform to draw attention to a problem, they did that. And yes, ideally, I, I completely, I, I'm not sitting here, I'm not gonna pat the players on the back and say they 100% handled this perfectly. I'm not saying that like a one day strike is the way, I'm not, you know, like it, it, this doesn't fix all the problem. I'm not saying that at all, but um, it's not nothing, Tate. That's what mm -hmm. I, I don't, I think this is something, I think this matters. I think, and just and in general, that attitude of like, if, if one action can't definitively solve racism, then what's the point of it? Like that, that seems to be a sentiment that's like existing in the world right now that, you know, like you'll see people sarcastically say, yeah, like, that, oh, that's the, that's the congrats, troll you remark. Solved, yeah, yeah, yeah. You exactly. solved racism. It's like, like if, if someone said, I, I'm, I started an initiative, I'm going to give a million dollars to inner city kids. Then the response would be, Oh, congratulations. You solved racism. Now the problem's mm -hmm. like, like that whole attitude is 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 frankly just disgusting. I mean, like what it, like what would ever be solved if that was the if that was how society worked at large? Not even just racism, just anything in general. Like if it took like one act to make change in this world, like that's not how it works. So it mm -hmm. takes baby steps. It takes things changing. And certainly, never in my life have I seen a, a playoff, an NBA playoff, because it's never happened. An NBA team strike a playoff game before. So. Whether that like, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to pretend like suddenly now, like there's going to be 
widespread change and like all these people that are racist and bigots and have so much hate in their heart are suddenly going to like open their eyes and be like, Oh, I changed my mind at all. But it's different. It's, it's something that's never happened before. And it's like shaking up something and whether it has a massive impact or not, it is one tiny little step towards the greater goal, which may ultimately be unattainable in our lifetime, but you still have to go for it. You still, Mm -hmm. it's, it's our obligation as humans, as, 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 as a society at large to, to progress towards that end goal of, having these issues resolved, right? We have to unpack it at some point. And yeah. there's no better point than now, as Chris Weber said so eloquently, you know, I have to see it to believe it. Um, and we need to see some change and the players want to see some change. And that's what they're really calling out. And yeah. change doesn't happen overnight. I mean, that we, we, we all wish that it was that simple, but I mean, it, it is so tethered to the world that we live in. And the other point I would make is like, I, I was, I was having a conversation with a buddy about this. Cause they, they were kind of, you know, they want to support the players, but then you have the thought of like, what is this doing? How is it, what is this accomplishing? Because in their mind, they argued that basically everyone who's like on the player's side, so to speak, or like is, is, uh, uh you know, an ally in these issues is already on your side. Like your, the strike is not going to now get me on your side. I was already on your side. And the people that aren't on the side have already tuned out. And like, they're the people that when the NBA strikes, they say, good, why don't you strike every year? I don't watch you anyway. You know, like, so who are you recruiting over? And the way I interpreted all this was that this, the, the trying to win over the general public was black lives matter on your, on your uh, shooting shirts. It was kneeling during the anthem. It was putting black light messages on your, like those were all moves to sort of win over the general public and try to get people. This felt to me like a move to get the attention of the powers that be in, in Wisconsin, in the state of Mm. Wisconsin. You know what I mean? Like this, this was the, the Milwaukee Bucks saying, we want our owners. We want the ownership group. We want the, 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 the people that stand to make money off of us playing in the playoffs we want them to be to to take a step back, realize that they have massive influence with the deep pockets that they have. Whether it's and I'm not saying this is a problem you can just throw money at, but we all know that like rich people can make phone calls that poor people can't, and like maybe try to spark change that way. That's what I interpreted. Like this, they were not trying to get the attention of the everyday average American who has kind of already made up their mind on where they stand on this these sorts of issues. I feel like they were trying to get the attention of the owners, the owners mm-hmm. of the NBA and the, the the billionaires that can, you know, call up their buddies in government and say. The, the league is there to accommodate the players and to keep yeah. the relationship between the owners and the players at bay. And the players just cut out the league and they went straight to the owners. And they said, yeah. you have to see us because we're not going to be and, – and kudos to the NBA and the executives that got in those rooms immediately and said, what is the action plan? How many days mm-hmm. are we off? When do you guys want to play? But at the end of the day, that's the first time they've ever asked the players, when do you want to play? Like yeah. they weren't told. Yeah. And that's what, that's what this is. This is a shifting of the power a little bit where the players are like, if all these all-stars don't play, if LeBron James does not play and Michelob Ultra spent all this money on this time slot on TNT, yeah. what does that look like? And yeah. uh, you know what I mean? That, that, I hope that we, we see some actionable items in Milwaukee in general, like you said, with the powers that be, but that was the, the sliding scale of power that that's what's happening right here. Yeah. And, and, and I will say, man, for, for it's, it's very easy to get disheartened and say like nothing ever changes and all that. And again, I, I understand. We need hope. We need, I understand hope. the position I'm speaking from. I'm not an African American man. I do not, you know, have to deal with all, all the issues that the black community does. But uh, I, I will say in, in this small little sliver about just athletes at large, 
uh, one change, one noticeable change that I have perceived in my lifetime is that athletes are uh, being treated as human beings more often. Not, not, it's not perfect. It's not even close to perfect, but I just, maybe it's a, maybe this is more of a factor of me getting older, but it, it, it certainly feels like society, the general public have always viewed athletes as like superheroes or cartoon characters or movie characters. They're not real people. And whether it's through social media or whatever, but it feels like we've now reached a point where, uh, again, this isn't everybody because there, there's still far too many people that just think like shut up and dribble has now become like the tagline or whatever. But for the most part, I think like athletes are now viewed at, like the idea of like really stopping and thinking about like, do athletes miss their family? Like this, this idea that like, it, it didn't even dawn on me until a couple of days ago that like, these guys are, are, are in the bubble. And, and as these issues are going on, like they're, they're guys with like seven year old sons that they want to talk to their son about like what's going on in the world around them. And they're not, they're, they're not with them. And they can't, they, I mean, mm-hmm. they can FaceTime, but like that, the anxiety that must be bubbling up for those guys that they can't like be there to just like hug their kids. And, and, say, and it's like, almost like they've been yeah. extracted out of their yeah. environments to be away from them. You but, know what I mean? So that that's, yeah. they're, they're yeah. frustrated. Like you can see how it could, could domino and boil up. But yeah. one, one change I feel like has happened in my lifetime is like we, as like you, you and I, like people that are just civilians, so to speak. Uh, I, I feel like we're more in tune with that, the humanity of athletes, if that makes any sense. Like that these are things. Yeah, of course, th- th- you know, cause I, I, for the longest time, it just feels like you would shrug your shoulders and be like, they make, they make millions of dollars. Who cares? And it does feel like there is, is more of a sentiment of like, I don't know. I, I see where you're coming from. I feel bad for you for the X, Y, Z. Like I never thought, you know, I don't know. That is a change that I, I, I think that I, I, I certainly maybe again, maybe it's just, I'm getting older. Maybe when I was little, I just thought of, but uh, I don't know. I never, I, 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 I sense that though in the world around me that like people care more about the human being behind the Jersey than just the Jersey itself, which is, it's cool to see. And hopefully we continue to progress as for sure as we move on. So uh, anyway, we don't, we, we don't need the, we're not the guys to talk to Jim Jackson is he was, he was mm. there on the scene. He's still there on the scene in the bubble. Uh, we, we talked to him for about 20 minutes. Uh, it was a great interview. We really appreciate him, him giving us time. Uh, here it is our, our interview with Jim Jackson. All right. Joining us now from inside the NBA bubble is former Ohio state, all American uh, Jim Jackson. He is, a broadcaster, as we know, Fox Sports colleague. Uh, he was on the he was on the call for NBA TV during the Bucks Magic game when the Milwaukee Bucks did not come out for the game. And Jim, I just want to start there. Uh, give us a sense of what's going through your brain. I know the Raptors were kind of talking about maybe potentially sitting out of games, so this wasn't exactly a huge shock, I would say. But um, just the general, g- g- give us the rundown of like the Bucks don't come out to warm up. The, the clock is ticking down closer to zero, and then you finally realize it's a real thing that's going to happen here. I mean, you pretty much nailed it. I mean, for us, you know, we had our production meetings in the morning, got a chance to speak with the coaches, uh, both coaches, Mike Boonholzer and also Steve Clifford. A little bit later in the afternoon, you know, we had a 315 hit at the arena for NBA TV. And, Mark, you know how it is. So guys are out with their pregame kind of warming up, stretching, you have the mm-hmm. trainer out there. You have some coaches shagging balls. And both teams, Orlando and Milwaukee, were both present on the court. And then um, we, we noticed a NBA league official uh, walk to the court and bring the officiating crew over towards the sideline near half court. And they had a conversation maybe 
three to four minutes maybe, and um, you can kind of see something was going on, but you just didn't know what. Maybe it was game-related. Maybe it was mm -hmm. something else we didn't know. So, you know, you fast forward. Orlando is off the court. Milwaukee is off the court. Um, the game clock begins to tick down, and Orlando comes back to the court, you know, in the, in the layup line. And, you know, we're looking in Milwaukee, not out. Time is ticking off, not out, not out. Buzzer sounds, no Milwaukee team. And then we get through our headsets that uh, through the team meeting, they have decided to, uh, you know, boycott and cancel the game. And, you know, they got uh, the Orlando Magic team on board as well. So are, are, what, what is your reaction to this? Are you surprised? Because like I said, I, th I think uh, it's easy to look back now and be like, well, they, you know, the signs were all there. The, the, the players were kind of discussing a little bit. But, uh, you know, people talk about a lot of ideas. And to actually make them happen mm -hmm. is, is a different story. So, like, for, for you as you're witnessing this, was there any part of you that's like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is, they're actually doing this? Or was it like, you, you know, like what, what, are you, what is going through your brain as you're, you're – well, yeah. you know, unfortunately for us, like where we're at on the, on the bubble, we're isolated from where the players are at. So we okay. don't really have a lot of contact, but a lot of the sideline reporters, independent reporters are on that side. So they get a chance to communicate. Um, am I surprised? No. I think okay. what happened in Kenosha uh, really, you know, was a straw to break the camel's back, so to speak, especially because mm -hmm. it happened in, in Wisconsin. And that's where Milwaukee, Wisconsin, everything is it, it's all correlated. But I do know it wasn't just planned all of a sudden. I do believe that a few players on the Bucks team had a conversation individually the night before, discussed, you know, the options, you know, what could take place. And I believe when they had their team meeting before the game, they kind of expressed their discomfort as to what had happened, what, you know, steps they need to take to ensure that what happened in Kenosha with Jacob Blake was going to be truly investigated the right way. And now, out of that, too, keep in mind, the team itself, the players, spoke with their ownership to get in touch with the attorney general uh, of Wisconsin and also the district attorney uh, in Kenosha mm -hmm. so that they could really relay the message of their concerns, but also, you know, implored them to uh, come on TV and announce the findings, the preliminary findings they had from the shooting. And if you watched any CNN yesterday or mm -hmm. any of the news outlets, it was a seven o'clock emergency meeting uh, between those groups. Mm. And just being in that moment, Jim, when you when you have all these things kind of coming into you and your own television, and you're getting ready to ready to call a basketball mm -hmm. game, just the balancing act of saying, like, you basically become a news reporter at that moment. And you know, like you said, uh, Mark said earlier, you're an All American that went to Ohio State. You played 14, you know, different teams in the NBA. Like well, you've been around the block. But in that moment in time, I mean, what did what did what what came over you? I mean, I know you tweeted in that moment what you were seeing, mm -hmm. but then just handling that moment as a broadcaster. I know that was a heavy moment as well. Well, it's something you, you don't prepare for. And I'll give you a prime example. Earlier this year, I was uh, getting ready for our uh, open to the Mich uh, Michigan State at Minnesota game. Mm -hmm. And that happened to be the afternoon that Kobe Bryant passed. Mm -hmm. Me playing with Kobe, uh, being a teammate of his, we had to scrap the open mm -hmm. and kind of address that tragic situation. That yeah. was more emotional that I had to do. But as a professional, you try to – do your job the best way you can through an emotional state. This was very similar from the standpoint of you don't have any preparation notes for this, but you kind of know the landscape of what's going on around NBA basketball and the social issues. So mm. you try to address those things as best as you can 
use the knowledge and information that you've acquired over the last five, six, seven, eight months, and try to relay that to the audience uh, the best way you can. Uh, you mentioned you're not necessarily interacting with the players, how the bubble's structured, whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I'm curious, what is just the general vibe in, in, in light of, I, I know you're not like, you know, going to these players' meetings and all that. Right. If you were to just drop like the average fan who's on the outside, because even just the idea of a bubble is kind of, yeah. we're, we're kind of yeah. struggling trying to figure out what that looks like. Yeah. Uh, but in your experience, just speaking from what you're 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 seeing, what you're feeling, whatever, uh, like if, if you were to drop the average fan in this bubble and they're just like walking around the campus, uh, leading up to this player strike, and now we have word that the playoffs are going to continue. Uh, does, does it feel like a, a somber thing? Is there like an excitement that like maybe some changes on the horizon somewhere in the middle? Like what what is just the overall tenor of of the campus there? Well, ours is different because we're here in the media part. Um, so you have red badge, green badge, yellow badge. You have different areas. Uh, Turner, along with ESPN and NBA, um, um, I, I wouldn't say media, but more so some NBA uh, officials are at our hotel. Owners stay at our hotel and things like that. So it's a different tenure, tenor here because you have a lot of people who work the games in production. A lot of people who cover it. So it's not so much the emotional state in regards to the actual teams or mm-hmm. organizations, more so than people actually put on production for the game. Okay. Uh, and they're, they're basically status quo. Their job is to go prepare. They may do two, two games a day. So that's what they're focused on. But it is also, I think, once the bubble – and I got here the 15th. So I wasn't here from day one. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get a chance to see when everybody first touched down and what the tenor was then. Because Mm -hmm. then you have a kind of an apprehension of, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. You know, we got, you know, daily temperature tests. You have COVID tests twice a week. But now people have been in the bubble for quite some time, and now they're accustomed to their surroundings. But if I was to drop you in, just imagine three or four hotels, a golf course, and that's the perimeter in which you kind of stay around in. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're implored not to kind of leave the campus area unless we're actually going to the game. So there are activities that we do here. You know, go down to the pool. We'll, um, you know, meet up for dinner, go play golf. But for the most part, it's just basketball. <laughs> for me, it's basketball and yeah. golf. And how many, like, you know, the, there was this window in time of, like, everyone was asking the question, what's next? You know, what, when, what, what, will, what will the guys do when they have this players-only meeting? You know, what will be the outcome of that? Will we have basketball? That apprehension that was felt, you know, in the media sphere, right, was that felt – in that area where you are, but because these guys are more, like you said, accommodating the actual events themselves. So, I mean, is there apprehension that was, that was going around? Okay. Oh yeah. Because everybody was, you know, wondering where where they go work. Yeah. Whether the games are canceled, you know, that's, you know, that's paychecks gone, honestly, if the games don't go on. So a lot of people were in limbo in regards to, okay, we know the games got canceled on Wednesday, more than likely you're going to have a cancellation on Thursday. But what does that mean going forward? Am I st- do I have to stay here? Do I leave? What happens? All of those questions were going on amongst everybody here because you just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So the only thing you can really do is wait and see what came about today once the players had their second meeting, you know, early, uh, early this morning, along with the Board of Governors meeting, and what that outcome would be would pretty much detail, you know, media, production, uh, what our plans would be. 
Uh, I, Jim, I know you've been asked a lot to speak on behalf of the players, which uh, is, is kind of unfair given that you're not exactly – your playing career was so far in the past and, mm-hmm. and it's not exactly an apples-to-apples apples comparison. So I, I don't necessarily want to do that, but just can you speak to your, former, to, to your, to your experience as a player now with all this going on, the NBA, uh, the, the players have now decided to continue with the playoffs. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. on the outside looking in wondering – how can these guys, I mean, I know they're professionals, but my God, to like now have to like suit it up and, and, and pretend that like this is the most important, winning game six is the most important thing in my life. How, how do these guys, what's going through your mind if you're a player right now? Not so much the, the like, like you have a job to do. And, and, and I speak to that just like me doing this job feels weird in this time. And I'm not mm-hmm. an NBA player and I, there's no stakes and I don't have, you know, all this going on. So the idea of these guys like having to play basketball, um, what, what could possibly, like, how do you get yourself ready to play? How do you, do you feel as a fan, like, this is, I don't know if tainted is the right word, asterisk is the mm-hmm. right word, but, like, even as a fan, it kind of feels weird for me to care, like, is LeBron going to add another championship to his leg? Like, it sort of just feels weird, that whole vibe right now. And I'm not saying they shouldn't have played or not played, um, but now as we're progressing forward, if you're a player, like, how do you suss through all that? Well, I mean, use you for an example. You said you don't feel comfortable at times because of everything that's going on, but yet and still you have a job to do. Mm-hmm. You have to be professional in what you do, okay? It's the same thing. Yeah. You know, life is not meant to be always comfortable. You're going to do some things that make you uncomfortable, okay? You'll do things at times when it may be a little stressful, okay? But at the end of the day, we're, we're basketball players, media people, okay? We have a very good life. Um, so as long as we keep that in perspective and, and understand what our goals are, when you put out there that you want to, you know, be active in social causes, okay, and you want to affect change, well, change, it, it comes with a level of uncomfortability, okay, mm-hmm. that you have to deal with, okay? You bring mm-hmm. that on yourself when you step out there on the limb and say, this is what our agendas are, this is what our platform is, this is what we want to promote, so you have to be, if you're going to do that, you got to accept the responsibility of A, doing your job when you're supposed to, B, uh, staying online in focus with the goals and agenda you set for your social activism, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's what these young men are doing. And, you know, to my playing days, keep in mind, Mark, I retired 14 years ago, and the relationship with the NBA and the Players Association was a lot different, mm-hmm. okay? It was always this constant battle. Mm-hmm. But because times have changed, these young, men are now, these young men are now more business entities all into themselves. They have a better working relationship with Adam Silver and the, uh, in the front office, okay? So now they, they're kind of working more hand-in-hand, especially when it comes to social um, activism. So when times like this come about, i.e., stop of the season, what we need to do in the bubble, how can we continue to push the narrative of, you know, uh, uh, racial equality, you know, we're going to, you know, really push hard uh, to help and help educate from a voter suppression perspective, uh, criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. all these things. Now, jointly, the NBA and the Players Association have come together. So when you have something that happened like this, you got to keep in mind, the owners have been supporting the players. The NBA mm-hmm. have been supporting the players. It would be quite odd and quite con- uh, contrary to everything that has happened if some of the demands that the players set to these owners weren't going to be met. 
just mm-hmm. based on everything that has got us to this point. And it does seem like the first time, I mean, just being a former player, th- there's no middleman in the situation. The, the the players are speaking directly to those owners at some level and the, the, with the league on their side and trying to accommodate them at the, I mean, it, it was the first time we've just seen the power. I mean, even with the, the Brewers and the MLB. And right. w- one mm-hmm. of the things that I, I've seen is like a, the athletes, people are like, well, of course, like the soccer players and the baseball players are friends with the basketball players and the football players. And all these guys have that bond. Was this something that, as a former athlete, were you reaching out to, to or hearing from? Uh, I know there were people that were across the world mm-hmm. that from Australia mm-hmm. that were reaching out and pointing out things. So was that happening for you as well? Well, yeah, just through conversations, through Twitter, through text, just yep. different people uh, are really applauding the efforts of these young men who kind of took a stance. And, you know, if you back up just a little bit, it's funny in society, too. And Mark, being a former athlete, this is, this is funny, especially being an African-American athlete. You know, when you stand up for social causes, the first argument you have is, well, you made all this money. America mm-hmm. is great for you. You didn't experience. Well, that's that's not the point. I, yeah. as a black man, I'll be 50 years old this year. It's a lot of experiences that I've been through as a young man uh, where I've encountered a lot of uh, racial mm-hmm. um, hatred. OK, mm-hmm. where I've been profiled by the police. Oh, yet and still, I've been on the platform and made millions of dollars and now I'm on TV. That shouldn't bother me. You, mm-hmm. you shouldn't complain about it. But like I've always said, the, the beauty about having a community is that when somebody makes it out, now you, it's your responsibility to pass it forward, mm-hmm. okay, to, to the next person, to the next family. That doesn't always mean just money. That means through societal changes that you want to impact, okay, having your time and presence in, as a community. More importantly, sometimes being a voice for the people who are marginalized. And that's what frustrates me so much when people always want to put dollar signs behind something and say, well, you made all this money, so you shouldn't complain. Well, Well, that's not necessarily always the truth. I saw Pablo Torre uh, of ESPN made a great point about this, Jim, that you're you're hitting the nail right on the head, that uh, even if that was true, even if, like, we're not supposed to listen to the rich athletes that have all the money and it's easy for you to say, how many times do we listen to the poor people? How many times are we, like, as a society saying, let's let's lend our ears to to the causes of the the poor and the oppressed? Mm -hmm. No one wants to hear that. So you're kind of like talking out both sides of your mouth. You're like, I don't want to hear from the rich people. And it's like, well, it seems like you don't really want to hear from the poor people either. So um, to your credit, speaking of community, I'll say this. the one, Before I really knew anything else about you, to be honest, I knew you were from Toledo, Ohio. I knew you repped the 419. Um, this is yeah, something that's been... Band. Yeah. This is something that has been important to you your entire life is, is mm-hmm. remembering where you came from and, and, and the community. Uh, I just wanted to get your thoughts just like as you said, you're turning 50. And I don't know how much you've reflected on, on uh, you know, your life at that, that juncture or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, just the, the arc of the NBA as a whole, you kind of touched on it earlier that if this happens when you're playing, maybe there's more consternation between uh, mm-hmm. David Stern and the players and all that kind of stuff. But now we have, we've reached a point where the NBA is on the front lines of, of all these mm-hmm. social issues and, and the players themselves are out there during uh, the protests in June. Um, a lot of the guys were, were taking action. Just, do you feel like a sense of pride as a guy who, who represents the NBA and, and you will for the rest of your life, you're a former NBA player, no matter what mm-hmm. you do the rest of your life. Uh, just looking back on the arc. I mean, you entered the league uh, a few months after the Rodney King riots. And, and, mm-hmm. and that's, that's something that like you enter the NBA and you go through like kind of the, there was the transition period with the malice in the palace and Stern does the dress code. And there's just kind of this tug yeah. of war with the players. It, it's gotta be almost surreal for you to just kind of see the last 30 years or so, the arc of where the league has gone and, and, and how we ended up here. Well, it is from, from this perspective, because I was part of the players union. I was a vice president early on. 
Uh, so the things that we fought for, revenue sharing, understanding the economics of the basketball-related income, having more shares for the uh, a split of the uh, licensing money, mm-hmm. uh, understanding the TV contracts, uh, contractually what we do in the NBA as far as term length um, of deals, all these things, but also setting up a better relationship between the Players Association and also uh, the NBA. That took time. We didn't mm-hmm. get the chance to reap the benefits of it while we were playing, but mm-hmm. these young men that are now here benefits from it. Adam Silver was a you know deputy commissioner under David Stern, so he was a part of these early negotiations. He knew uh, he, he understood what the players were aiming to achieve with the relationship with the owners. So as that grew, now you put yourself in a situation. Adam Silver takes over. You have a fresh new crop of young men led by an outstanding leader in Chris Paul. Now you have a relationship with the communications are there. Would they always agree? No. When mm-hmm. collective bargaining comes up, you know, would they always agree? No. But the communication lines now have opened up a lot more. At least you listen. Mm-hmm. Okay. You take into account that if we do things together, we can accomplish so much more. And I think you see that with where we're at today. That's why we were able, what they were able to resolve this issue within 24 hours. Mm-hmm. Whereas maybe in the past, if something like this came up, you know, I, I don't think the, the the transition to be able to move forward would be there this easily. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, that relationship, that pre-existing relationship, all that stuff was discussed before we even got into the bubble. And it was probably emboldened at some level because all these agreements and concessions had to be made to get all these guys to agree to come down there in the first place. And right. I just wanted to ask about... You know that we always get the arguments of like the uh, the previous generation of the NBA, like you said, the guys who were on the forefront of making all these changes, and now these guys are reaping the benefits. And there may be some some sometimes some confrontation over basketball philosophies and things like that. But it has been great. Like Kenny Smith, you know, in solidarity, walks out last night, you know, to join in with the players. So how great mm-hmm. has it been to see that sort of you know bridging of the generational gap too in the basketball world on both sides getting together and saying we 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 support each other, I guess. Well, I'm not one that lives in the past and says, well, you know, my, when I played, my era was the best. And, you know, it, it, you know, right now the game is really going sideways. I'm not like that because each era is inclusive all into itself. And they have different attributes that make it really well. What happened in the 70s was different in the 80s, the 90s, 2000s, and where we're at. Okay. The evolution, the evolution of the game has to change in order for it to survive. That's why it's more international right now. That's why, you know, our, our players are easily recognized across the world because of that. And also the transition with older players to younger players. When I was in the league, someone looked out for me. Someone showed me the way to be a professional. And that's what we should do. You don't look and count somebody else's money because what we fought for was that the next generation, just like anything else, and it doesn't have to be sports, you as a parent, you know, you fight for your young ch- children or even or if you're a mentor, you're trying to give wisdom and knowledge and experience of what you learn to the younger generation. Mm. Jim, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate Thanks it. We, so know, we know you're very busy. We look forward to having you back on. We can, uh, you know, talk about some more uh, fun things like if the Buckeyes are going to win the Big Ten this year and all that kind of stuff. And, and, uh, <laughs> you uh, but, better but, believe it, man. Yeah. <laughs> Congrats, Mark. Everybody, man. Thanks. Thanks for, that. Thanks for having me on, Tate. Thanks, Jim. Appreciate it, Jim.
All right, later. Quick break to talk about Whoop. Whoop is a fitness wearable that provides personalized insights on the performance of your sleep, how recovered you are, how much stress you put on your body throughout the day from both your workouts and the normal stressors of life. This includes all sorts of workouts. You can do a lot of different things. Uh, Whoop is not a, it is not a fitness bracelet or a fitness strap. I'm sorry for, uh, you know, it's not for just weightlifters. It's not just for runners. It's not for mm. uh, guys who like to slam Coors Lights and go body surfing in the Pacific Ocean. Whoop is for, if, mm. if you live an active lifestyle, it is for you. It, it'll, it'll give you insights. Uh, this is Ryan Rosillo, our good buddy, I know he's a big whoop guy. He's he's a big meathead. He likes to throw weight around. He's he's not much for cardio. I'm I'm the opposite. I like to run a lot, and uh, and I feel like we both find uh, find whoop to be very very useful. Uh, whoop is offering fifteen percent off when you use the code Titus at checkout. Go to whoop.com, w h o o p dot com, and enter the code Titus to save fifteen percent. Sleep better, recover faster, and train smarter with Whoop today. Do it, please. And we're also brought to you by NHTSA. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed. But let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the U.S. die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet, too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking. Designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If someone you know has been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of drunk driving, but that's one thing. But one thing's for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. Back to the podcast. All right, thank you to Jim Jackson for joining us. Uh, Tate, I, y- y- you said it before we did the interview, but um, I-, I need to reiterate. This guy, it, he treats me just far too kind, and I, mm. I love him for it, and uh, I-, I don't know. I just I-, I would just like to point that out. The Jim Jackson, he's one of the good guys. He, uh, every-, every time I run into him, he treats me like he's seeing Greg Oden or Mike Conley or anything else, and it- it- I'm always taken aback by anybody who uh, shows me any sort of respect whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it's one of those things, too, where I would love to have Jim Jackson on the show so we could talk about the 1992 yeah. draft, you know, having Shaq and Alonzo Mourning and Matt Geiger, you know, all in the same mm-hmm. draft. Like, that that had to be a lot of fun. And Harold Miner, I mean, his actual career at Ohio State, I feel like I don't get enough coverage of that era of basketball in general. Mm-hmm. But not today. Uh, and for say, another yeah, time. Yeah. We'll save it for another time. But I'm sure he'll come back. He's uh, he's, he's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Um, Anyway, moving on. Uh, before we get to Will Wade, let's talk about a couple of John Rostein scoops, just because. We're back. Here we go. Yeah. All right, yeah. we're back at the saddle. Uh, so Rostein tweets. I think this was this yesterday. Today, I'm losing track of time. But um, there is a a movement. Uh, 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 how do you a golden it? opportunity go- of sorts is yeah. what they're calling it. Orlando and the Mohegan Sun. Mo- is it the Mohegan Sun or just Mohegan? I think it's Sun? Mohegan Sun. Mo- just just Mohegan Sun. They are emerging. It's a, it's a Napster Facebook situation. Just cut yeah. the tape. Uh, they are emerging as locations for non-conference bubbles for early season tournaments. Uh, and the, the rationale here is if you bunch them together, all these little like. Yes, pods. These, yeah, th- these, these little preseason tournaments in the Bahamas and you got some in like Charleston, South Carolina and, and just all Myrtle over. Beach. Myrtle yeah. Beach. You throw them all together into one. Then you could play those tournaments out. But then while everyone's under the same roof, why don't we kind of cross pollinate and play each other after and just try to just bang out a bunch of non-conference games and then everyone can go back home for a second. That's the, that as it pertains to us, let's just cut to the chase. Uh, 
is Maui going to be in Orlando this year? Is that where we're trending, Tate? That's the fear. Yes. Well, the the, the fear, I, I should say this. It's the, the reservation that we have is that we lose the opportunity to go to the beautiful island of Maui, to get in the yeah. Lahaina Civic Center, to, to wear our lays, to, to just enjoy the highest quality of basketball life mm-hmm. that exists out there. See Jay Billis, see Big, Big Wave Billy, see the whole thing. <laughs> but I also have a new proposition, which I think is in the works, which I think is perfect. And it is the argument that we have had until we became brand ambassadors, which is what is the premier tournament to open up the season? Is it Battle for Atlantis or is it the Maui Invitational? And here is the chance to put those two, you know, competing fields. And if you look Mm -hmm. at the 2020 field uh, for the Battle for Atlantis, you got names like Ohio State, your alma mater that's in that. Uh, Duke, Duke, (laughs) the Blue Devils are in that. Creighton is in that. Uh, Bob Huggins in West Virginia in that group. Penny Hardaway and Memphis in that group. Wait, that was that's the Atlantis field. That's the 2020 Atlantis field. (sighs) And then if you look at the Maui field and you throw in the Indianas and the North Carolinas uh-huh. and you, you, you get a you get a nice little list Shamanas, of teams right there. Yeah, yeah. Of course, Shamana now in it. Um, but you bring those teams down there. You bring all those teams and you make a battle for Maui slash Atlantis, whatever you want to call this. Uh, the, 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 the Atlantis Invitational, uh, the battle for Maui. I don't know what the you want to call this. The battle for the Maui Wowie. The b- <laughs> battle for the bubble. Battle, battle for the bubble. bubble. I don't, I don't bubble know. Bubble battle. But that those two events being simulcast as one event in one place uh, with all those teams and coaches there, I think that's my best case scenario for if we do have a golden opportunity bubble. So we do. I, I so a gob. Do, you, do you do champion versus champion of those, or do you do do you, do you do like Big Ten ACC challenge where you play out the tournaments and then after they're done, first place plays first place, second place plays second place, third place in each tournament, and then we do mm. whoever wins the most of those games. That's how we determine who the better tournament is. I don't mm. know. I don't know. We'll, mm. we'll have to, back to the drawing board. We'll have to wait for Rothstein scoop on that one. I'm just it. saying <laughs> those fields in one place. It makes That'd a lot of good. sense. I see yeah. it. I see it in my mind. I like it. Uh, there's Thank another you, another big Rothstein scoop is that uh, the starting date of college basketball, he says, is likely going to be either November 25th, which is the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, or December 4th, which is a Friday. I believe it's just like three weeks after what would be under normal circumstances, the starting date of the college season. Yep. Exactly. Which camp are you in? Tate? The, the battle is, I mean, I, my family, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking to my brother anymore because we got into such a big fight about this. He, he's a big December 4th guy. I'm a November 25th guy. It's a battle that is tearing families apart. You have One to draw week. a line in the sand, which. <laughs> yeah. It, it's funny. I've seen house divided flags yeah, house that they're making. Flags. Where it's like, yeah, you, 25th versus the 4th. Are guy or are you a 25th guy? <laughs> Uh, the battle for Atlantis officially is scheduled to start November 25th. So that makes me feel like that would include mm-hmm. that tournament uh, with yeah. those dates. So if it's December 4th, maybe the battle for Atlantis is not included. Uh, so <laughs> I would say I'm a 25th guy. Okay. Um, I, I, I stand strong with November. November sounds good. I'm um, a 25th December, guy. As <laughs> December well, yeah. sounds more cautious though. Cause it's kind of like, we're going to wait till December. Yeah, that's a good point. December, <laughs> like you said, we're waiting until December. It's like they did all they could. They, it's like, they really, yeah, they, they waited it out. They tried to really, best. yeah. Uh, but man, I want, I want college basketball on Thanksgiving. I've gotten used to that. I want feast week. I want, but you know, is, it doesn't, it, does it matter what I want? Is that, is mm. that the lesson in all this, these last six months that we've learned? It doesn't matter what you want. It matters. 2020 is the year that you have to be uncomfortable yeah. and maybe feast yeah. week. It's not, we, we don't get the comfortability of feast yeah. week this year. We don't get Turkey and basketball and football. Man, but we just wait one week and then we get <laughs> then we get leftovers in basketball. But Daddy, I want Feast Week and I want it now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, those are those are the 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 uh, updates and and all the happenings of college basketball. I don't know, but I I, I positive vibes only. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And quick aside before we get out of this rosting segment, uh, he yeah. texted both of us, and he yeah. is full positive vibes only. Almost yeah. like too much exuberance uh, for this season and this window of opportunity. But it's giving me juice. It's giving me life, and uh, I honestly really need it. It's it's just a yeah, nice like, pick me up. When we talk about rostering texting us, it doesn't mean to come across as like a Stephen A. Smith like name drop. It, it, mm. I feel like the world just needs to know how much this guy is juiced. Is juiced. Yeah, like, he's that's ready what to I'm go. To do. I mean, it, the point of this is not to be like we text John Rostin every so often. The point of this is to let you know. Behind he's not scenes, an actor. Yeah, yeah. He, this guy is real. Behind the scenes, John Rothstein is speaking this into existence. Yeah. If if the if the season happens, the tournament happens, like we all think it will, I I think John Rothstein deserves his name on whatever banner ultimately gets hung up. I think it yeah. like if if Ohio State wins a national championship, I think it has to say twenty twenty national champions in parentheses. Thank you, John. Per, per John Rothstein, <laughs> according to John Rothstein's sources. Yeah. Yes. Uh, all right. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's get into the meat and potatoes of what this episode needs to be, which Woo! is our good friend, the American gangster himself. Speaking of John Rustin, the American gangster himself, Will Wade. The NCA has said, according to another one of our good friends in the world of journalism, Mark Schleibach. 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 Uh, he has famously article, called AKA Mark Schleibotched. Schleibotched. He has written an article on ESPN that says mm. that Will Wade. The NCAA is saying that Will Wade arranged for or offered arranged for or offered quote impermissible payments to eleven prospects. The NCAA at long last has evidence. I don't know where they got this evidence, Tate. I don't know where. I mean, I've I, I don't understand where this is coming from. As we know, Will Wade did not cooperate. So. <laughs> yeah. what, what's that? The producer in my ear is saying they watched the HBO documentary that yes. came out like yes five months ago. Oh. Uh. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh. They're just five months late on this? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, Christian okay, Dawkins. So, <laughs> for Christian Dawkins. This is what it is. Uh, Will Wade has arranged or offered for Im- impermissible benefits to 11 prospects. My reaction to this, I am shocked and appalled. Mm. Only 11 prospects? <laughs> That's it. That's all Honestly, I got pretty about? good. Pretty good for Will Not Wade. Not bad. Not bad, Will. <laughs> The best part about all this is that Will Wade is, uh, like we said, he is American gangster. He has, you know, been quoted as saying he wants to give a strong ass offer. And then yeah. Christian Dawkins has said, and if you want me to give you context, he's not talking about a scholarship. He's talking mm-hmm. about straight, cold, hard cash. And then he applauded the fact that he was able to sidestep the university, the NCAA, and basically say, prove it. And now we are at the point where it seems like they want to prove it. And it does also seem like the LSU football program is down to dangle Will Wade as a way to yeah, avoid their I saw, own issues. Frank Schiller brought this point up, and I thought it was a good one. He, he, he's a big proponent of if you have a powerhouse football program, as LSU mm-hmm. does, you want your basketball coach to be as squeaky clean as possible. Yeah. You do not want your basketball coach attracting the attention, which is not to say your football program is cheating, but you just don't want the NCAA sniffing around nonetheless. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you just mm-hmm. don't. Yeah, I don't look. I went to North Carolina. I understand this. Bush yeah. Davis, he brought yeah. the NCAA, and then they start sniffing around. You're like, wait a second, not, I'm not, not doing there. anything wrong, but I still don't want you like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Like, come on, <laughs> you can find something if you're looking. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, I, I I feel like that's that that pertains to this situation. The fact that Will Wade is drawing more attention than than LSU in the snap of a finger, building an absolute powerhouse of a football team that goes 15 and 0, and pays the refs in the Clemson Ohio state game to screw over Ohio state. Cause mm. Joe Burrow would have mm. folded in the national title game. If he played against his alma mater, 
Um, and and everyone knew that, so they ultimately screwed Ohio State against Clemson. If they the, the the fact that Will Wade that's what everyone said, of course. <laughs> yeah. The fact that Will Wade's drawing more attention to that uh, is is not good for Will in that regard because uh, if if it comes down to if Ed Ogeron calls, well, I don't know. Ed Ogeron is not exactly. He's not, not squeaky clean this squeaky year. Clean. Ed Ogeron is not exactly a hero in, in around LSU right this second as well. But um, yeah, this is I, I will wait. You, you, you don't want this. You don't want the NCAA sniffing around. But as we know, the NCAA this is going to take a while. It's going to take. They're going to they're going to keep sniffing. He's going to keep. I, I will say this. We we made this point before. We respect the hell out of him because yes. the man is a gangster he doesn't yes. like he's not he like we, we made that we made the comparison like sean miller and will wade were the two stars for all the or the infamous stars of the the scheme <laughs> documentary and sean miller's approach based on the wiretaps that we heard is an old school approach it's like never really directly talk about anything kind of always have plausible deniability this is how mm. it's very my, vague yeah, yeah you, this is how my terms. father did it and his father before him and like this is passed down to me through generations of bag dropping uh, Will Wade is like strong ass offer, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he's like, we got the cash. Uh, you tell us, you give us the number, and we'll send it tonight, this, Western Union. Yeah. <laughs> he like, literally said on a federal <laughs> wiretap. He literally said, and I quote, "We could compensate him better than the rookie minimum. We'd give him more than the D League." And he was talking about Duran Blossom game, uh, who ultimately went to Clemson. But he said these words on the wiretap. Will Wade does not have a bag man. Will Wade is the bag man. Yes. And like the audacity of it all is so ridiculous. Like it's he really is the babyface assassin. You know what I mean? He stands up there in press conferences. He kind of just smirks at the questions as if he was, he's like. You, yeah. you guys, you guys kind of know what's going. You know, you guys see it. Uh. <laughs> Sean Miller is flying as close to the sun as he possibly can. Yes. Will Wade set his coordinates directly for the sun. He's flying straight into that son of a bitch, and he's trying to fly through the sun. He's yes. like, I yes. Yes. yes, he is the sun. I am the chosen sun. <laughs> I am the guiding light in this game. Give me the reins. And honestly, that's that is the. I think that's the admirable part of all of it is that it's so blatant that it's you know it's kind of like. This this is the future of the game, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah. thank you, Will Wade, just for being a straight no, shooter. I, I in think, a world a world full of bullshit, this guy is being straight. To the- I think this is the funniest part about it all is that there's a non-zero chance that Will Wade is hailed as a hero in like ten years. <laughs> like in the same way that people are kind of revisiting Pioneer. revisiting Kyrie's comments about like maybe boycotting the bubble, and you're like, man, were we wrong about that? Like maybe mm. I feel like Will Wade is is going to get. The, there's a chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but there's a chance. Like ten years from now, we're going to look back and be like, man, Will Wade was ahead of the curve. Like, all the guys, a- all the guys <laughs> were dropping bags, but Will Wade was the only one with the balls to come out and say like strong ass offer. <laughs> well, facts. Is it also one of those things where Dickie V was the only one that was brave enough to come out and say the NCAA was going to come? That's true. To, to make Dickie this happen. V is vindicated right now. All right, good. Yeah. That's all we got to say. I'd, Dickie, I'd say v. Dickie V. In retrospect, Dickie V was right. So, what do we expect at the timeline with this? I mean, I, I, I kind of given up on expect. Like the the, the scheme comes if, out, by the yeah. way, and LSU like immediately puts out a statement like, "Well, wait, it's our coach. We're sticking by our man." Um, so I doubt that anything's gonna happen. Like I doubt that LSU is gonna be called to action unless the only the only thing I could see is like the Ogeron thing. Like they got to throw a sacrificial lamb. Like there's yeah, exactly. too much heat coming out of yeah. Baton Rouge, and they're like, we need a sacrificial lamb. Sorry, yet. sorry, Will. Yeah, this is a basketball it. issue, yeah. and yeah. we'll get rid of this guy. And that that's the only way I see it. But I also think if there's a bubble that's happening, and we need big time premier programs to play in some non conference stuff, you know, LSU's on that list. 
uh, of a team that's going to be invited to probably come play in that. And if that be the case, the investigation will just be starting at that point. You know what I mean? It's probably hard to do an investigation during COVID times. Th- this if, is going to draw out. And as long as Will Wade is there, like you're saying, what if it, we're it in that what bubble? What if we're in the bubble? We have to investigate. Oh my god! What if that's the big development of this? Dude, the like, Hardy Boys, the Bag Boys in the bubble. We're everywhere. We're just asking everybody. We're we're getting we're, a list. We're checking yeah, it twice. We're, yeah, we're like <laughs> like we look up on day two in the bubble, and there's like a an on, a Manila envelope outside mm. our doors, and we open it, and it's from the NCAA, and it's like we could not get guys inside the bubble. We don't have the mm-hmm. resources. Mm-hmm. You, you guys are gonna have to do this. It's your obligation. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to. Yes. To crack this case for us. They ask us for our alias and we and you say Jeff, I say D'Angelo. And we only go by one name. (laughs) One name only. Don't confuse it. (laughs) Oh God. That's it. I miss God bless you. Like I miss this. I miss I miss uh We we need this. We need need this. this. America needs this. This is this is normalcy. Dude. Talk about American gangster that will like all this stuff hits the same day that the Bucks don't play. So like that, no one's talking about this. No, no one else this is, is going to care. Like you and I are talking about it, but like next people week, don't even know what we're it. talking yeah. about. Yeah, That's people, the thing. <laughs> people aren't even listening anymore. Like what the hell are you guys talking about? I thought this was going to be an NBA like, show. Yeah, like Jim Jackson. That was great. What, what's going on here? <laughs> what's going on? Who's Will Wade? Kukoli. <laughs> This is why uh, he's the, this is why he's an American gangster. Incognito, man. That's what you need. Unbelievable. Uh, what else we got to hit before you get out of here? I uh, just in general, just like the college basketball optimism. I feel like I, I keep seeing the. I mean, I don't know if I'm just in the rosting bubble, but I just wanted to say, like, from our perspective during these times, I am very excited about the 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 idea of what it could look like, and I'm also. Yeah. It just seems so set. Like, I mean, the four options that we got with the dates, like we said, they're like one week apart, 10 days apart, mm-hmm. whatever it may be. I'm excited about the optimism, but I'm also, as things play out, I'm just like, I just want to see what it looks like. So I need to yeah. see it. I, I want to see it. So that's pretty yeah. much my final release, thought. I'm release, excited about the uh, optimism. Release the bubble plans. Yeah. Release show us the, show when, us the when plans. When is that supposed to happen? Is it the 16th? First week of September, they said. Oh, first week. That's when they're meeting. So, I mean, the, oh, the, answer, then, the answers and, won't be until November. 25th <laughs> does anything ever happen in college basketball or is it always just like meetings and then meetings, meetings about like yeah. what's going to come and be prepared for this it, it's a it's an ever like it, it's just a filibuster you know what i mean it's just like you just keep stringing it out <laughs> so like, like will it end this week they're like no we'll wait like string it out i swear to god like if you go back and listen to every show we've ever done together uh like 40 percent of the content is us being like so that's something to keep an eye on this is going to be crazy yeah this, this, this is thing a, this, coming this up this may be it yeah we're like doomsday <laughs> preppers you know what i mean like everyone we just keep gassing it up and they're like dude shut up <laughs> oh man uh can we talk about nebraska football oh yeah this, this is this the big is 10 news. i want to get an outsider's thought on this because it's, it's <laughs> I mean, I, nothing's going to come of it. Like, they have no legal standing whatsoever. They're like, I, I was following uh, our guy Wallach, uh, Dana Wallach. Yeah. He's tweeting about it a little bit and trying to make sense of what he's saying. He, he's apparently, like, apparently they're, and for the love of God, do not quote me on this. Go mm-hmm. go straight to the source yourself. I am just, I, I'm trying to uh, remember correctly, and I don't know if I am or not. But I want to say that he was saying that the 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 rock of their case, the foundation of their case is that in 2023, they expect name image likeness to take effect. So by not playing right now, they're losing out on money. Like the big tens decision is costing them money. So they want to be like, and, and he's basically, Wallach is basically like this, 
this this case this will not stand because those future royalties are so i i yeah 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 i don't think uh we need to like talk about like you know is this gonna come to fruition whatever it's more the idea of players within a conference suing the conference more the idea of like a school because we saw we, we heard this rhetoric out of scott it's Frost, a litigious like, world mark titus <laughs> i mean that, that that's how would one you, thing how would you feel if if uh yeah like i don't know syracuse sued the acc i was gonna say yeah syracuse or boston college or like someone that came in as a new member and then is immediately having yeah. their players sue your conference i mean if anything it it points to uh dissension amongst the conference right there's no real unity i think the sec is probably the strongest unified conference but they're all independent operators they just kind of have this false facade of like unity but bush comes to shove alabama's going to point the finger at tennessee and vice versa you know what i mean like, they're like they did it um so i i, I think at, at one level it's like it really doesn't mean anything that it's nebraska it's like it, it was you know all the petitions that went around that justin fields did i mean there's a lot of players within the big 10 that want to play obviously yeah but there is probably some big 10 diehards that grew up on big 10 stuff like if Maryland or, or Nebraska, like I could understand that kind of frustration where you're, you're kind of like, you just got to the party and you're already complaining. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I just we're, find we're it, all trying to figure this out, but you're already complaining and pissing on us. I there were, know. there were parents of football players that were protesting at the big 10 offices. Yeah. I saw um, that. And, yeah. and listen, I, I'm not smart enough. I, I kind of, I, I, I think a month or two. It's ago, unfortunate because like, it's easy for them to point to the ACC and the SEC and the big yeah, 12 and see yeah. it happening and then have the confusion. I think that's, that's sort of like when there's no unified voice on what the decision well, is. Well, This is what I was going to say. Yeah, is I'm not, I'm not saying the big 10 should have done one thing or another because it's not my call to make. I don't have the facts in front of me. I don't have the, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. Basically like they're, they're outright admitting that they, jumped expecting everyone else to jump with them yeah and no one and everyone else looked around. they were trying to be first and then yeah. when they and when they jumped off everyone like kind of turned around and they was have like, oh, no what are you guys doing? they don't really have any data to point to to say this is the reason we canceled and and again i maybe canceling is the right move i don't know but if you're gonna make it really if you're gonna make any decision you have to back it up you have to you have to face the music and say here's why we did this and haters be damned like i'm sticking by it for these reasons and man, the, the explanations, the, the, I, I don't know, all the, all the verbiage coming out of the big 10 office just leaves more questions than answers. And it's just very, very frustrating. Having said that the idea of like players and like Scott Frost, I, I don't know. I don't think he's a part of this lawsuit with the players, but like Scott Frost, like the, the immediate reaction Scott Frost had when the big 10 said they're canceling, he's like, no, we're playing we're football gonna, we're playing somewhere football. else. Yeah, exactly. And Ryan yeah. day had the same thing, which like, you know, like I, I love that the coach of my alma mater wants to play football. You know, we're, we're ranked number two in the AP poll. Like Ohio State was going to have a really good team, but we're in a conference, man. Like you got to like, when the decision comes down, you got to kind of like take it. That's just the way it goes. You know, like you gotta, you gotta be on the same team. And that is not the way it's going right now. And it is absolutely wild. It is the wild west of college sports. Like every single t- No, we don't care. We're going to try to figure out a way to play anyways. It's insane to me. It's insane. And you, and you get like reports of like I saw today, it's like NC State is pushing game against Marshall to end of September as opposed to like next week. And it's like that's how these decisions are. Or ECU is another team I saw. They're pushing the game to like the end of September, their opener. And it's like those decisions are being made just like they're not uh, they're not calling the American Conference. They're like, this is what we're doing. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And it's what we talked about. It's like it's, there's a, you, we're all kind of learning that there is like a 
conference, you know, unity or alignment or whatever, but all that's business. And as soon as the business shakes up or shifts or whatever it may be, like then people really show their hand and they, they say yeah. kind of like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I will say that the big 10 and I am a big 10 guy through and through everyone in my family went to big 10 schools. I will always be a big 10 guy, but I'm also, you know, aware of the world around me enough to say, the Big Ten of the power conferences is definitely the most pretentious. Definitely the <laughs> most like, we can look like the good guys here if we do this first. And everyone will applaud us and everyone else will just fall in line and they won't get credit and we'll be awesome because we're the only people that trust data and facts and science. And again, maybe the data and the facts and the science say that that is the right move, but you got to sell it. You got you yeah. to get out there and say, this is why we did this. I understand that you guys want to play, but this is why we're not playing. And I don't, I, I do not envy Kevin Warren. I don't know how much of it he brought on himself though. You know what I mean? Like he's a first, like part of you wants to feel bad for him. Cause it's the first year, like having this dumped on you when you're a first year commissioner, not even a first year. He's like within the first six months of the job, basically like we took over in January. So he is within his first year, I guess. Uh, but to have to have this dumped on you like this unprecedented crisis that that uh, I mean it, it's fresh meat like these other conferences as soon as they saw that they started recruiting the players like like uh, Lane Kiffin is recruiting players from UCLA and USC I, know, I, know. I mean it's not just the Big Ten also so I mean the Pac-12 you, is also there as well my question to you is if all the other schools end up canceling which like you're not even close to being out of the woods like you think you are uh mm-hmm. that is what i would say to all that because <laughs> everything's going on as usual and i understand that but like you also pay attention to like the the stats coming out of these schools north carolina shut down as we said and, online um, yeah it doesn't mean football is not gonna happen but like you're not out of the woods uh so if all the other school if all the other conferences shut down there's no college football do you think the big 10 can puff its chest and say we were right all along because i feel like the answer is still no i feel like you can't, it's not enough to be right. You have to be right with conviction. You mm. can't just be luckily right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it exactly. feels like the Big Ten might be luckily right, but they also might be wrong. But best case scenario, they're going to get lucky and be right. Yeah. And they've already you know kind I mean? of, ba- they've already backtracked enough to show that they weren't. It, it would be, it would be weird to come back and flex to say, hey, we were right the whole time. You know what I mean? It kind of <laughs> yeah. just feels like they've already lost that advantage at some level. And, I I don't even know what the advantage of being right is. Like I don't even know what favor that really carries or or, or gets you in the marketplace of, of fans or people that are watching these games. Other than the, yeah. the fact that like they it makes you look like you legitimately care, right? Like there's an actual like yeah. Concern I, for I the guess well-being. you could recruit like yeah, because people were talking about uh, other schools will use this against the Big Ten in recruiting, but I think I think you could argue the other way. You could, if you're Ryan Day, you could be, you know, Dabo Sweeney's like, don't go to Ohio State. They don't care about football like we do down here. And then Ryan Day could just as easily be like, don't go to Clemson. They don't care about your health. Uh, you know, <laughs> like, don't let you get coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, and, and I actually care about you as a person. I don't know. You can always, that, that's the way yeah. recruiting always goes, is you could always argue, like, <laughs> I don't that's that's the joy of recruiting you can always argue until someone calls and says I have a strong ass offer and then <laughs> and then and then you, then you have going. a different conversation yeah oh that's where we're going uh all right shout outs closeouts anything else before we go I just want to shout out George Hill uh and uh mm-hmm. just the, the bucks in general uh I mean I think that was like a we talked about this at the top of the podcast but George Hill is not an NBA superstar by any means but George Hill is a point guard on the best team in the NBA he doesn't have to say these things he doesn't have to stand up and it's not a guarantee that he's going to have you know, everyone's like, these are marketing plays for Nike or whatever. That's not why George Hill is doing this. So yeah. I just wanted to point out that George yeah, and, Hill says 
to to that point as well, like George Hill, uh, I, he sacrificed something, and I think it's easy yeah. to now point to the fact that uh, they're going to that the game wasn't forfeited. Basically, they're just going to pick up the schedule where they left off, and then say, "So you didn't ultimately sacrifice anything. This was stupid." He didn't know that at the time, and the Bucks mm-hmm. didn't know that at the, the the Bucks were prepared to forfeit the game. The Bucks mm-hmm. were prepared to throw away a playoff game. Yep. Ultimately, they did not, but that doesn't change like the courage. The the, it's not nothing. That's all I no. want to say. That's like yep. the big my big takeaway with this whole thing is it might not be the biggest deal in the world. It might not solve everything, but it's not nothing. And yep. that's that's it. So yeah, I don't know. I want to shout out uh, Coach K and Duke, your favorite guy, your favorite program uh, for for their peaceful protests that they had on campus. This is spearheaded by the uh, the Duke basketball team. Coach K is encouraging everyone to get out and rock the vote and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, just in the... In the See it louder! <laughs> in the interest of fair and balanced journalism, we have to tip our caps when they do good things. That's the only way, pe- that's the only way mm. people are willing to listen mm. when you want to do rat impressions and whatnot. Is you have mm. to be fair, Tate. You have yep. to be fair when he does yep. good things. And tip your cap. No, exactly. I, I saw Nolan out there giving a nice little speech saying, you know, ask your player how they are. Ask them how they're doing, not about their defensive assignment that they missed. It's uh, it, it's great to see that Dean Smith's ways of, of treating his players <laughs> has rubbed off on Coach K. And I think that's that's sort of what the lesson is. You know what I mean? Growth. Growth is something in this world that a lot of people don't want to be a part of and they don't want to be privy to. And I think that Coach K growing into the coach that we see and know today as quote-unquote the GOAT in college basketball is honestly a study and a player and, and a character study and someone that grew into a great person. That's and uh, handled. I, I think wondering, that, I was wondering how you're going to like give him props, but still not. I think that's. I think those are fair <laughs> props, to be honest with you. And saying uh, he learned from Dean Smith well is the a, best. He learned from the best. <laughs> witnessed the best, and Jimmy V. He witnessed the best. What else you got? Oh man, I got a shout out to NC State, um, and Nate McMillan specifically. We went into this tournament with the Pacers being the state mm-hmm. uh, of the playoffs, and they signed Nate McMillan to a contract. I don't mean to laugh; I just mean to laugh at the stateness of this whole situation. Nate yeah. McMillan is a great coach, is a great basketball mind, and uh, he gets a contract extension. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, a, a guy that we love on this program, is like, we just need one healthy year with this with this team, mm-hmm. with this coach, and we have a real shot to make a run, make some noise. And then, of course, they get swept by the heat, and then he is relieved of his duties. And it is the most NC State thing uh, I can think of. It's a very Tom O'Brien situation, Herb Sendek situation, whatever whatever firing you can think of where it does feel like they had something there, but then they expected it to be, like, a little bit better. So they decided the, to just, get, just scrap story. it all. You know it's what I mean? It's the Pacer story. And the guy that it's they the hire. It's the state story. It's the state yeah, it's story. it's the state story. The, guy, so the next the guy state. they hire, they're going to go 45 and 37 and, uh, every year. And Mike D'Antoni. And everyone's going to be like, man, this yeah. team's a lot of fun. <laughs> and they're going to lose in the second round of the playoffs yeah. in six games. And then they'll fire him after five years. And then they'll bring mm-hmm. in another guy. And they'll never get a top 10 draft pick. They'll never compete for a championship. Yeah. yeah. And they'll just Five live in later, purgatory at Jawan, all times. Jawan Howard takes the job. And then yeah. here we are. Just, just yeah, just keep it rolling. And that is the Indiana Pacers. They exist for that reason only. The 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 only height they can ever reach is being the foil to the real champions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're Kobe and Shaq's punching bag. They're Jordan's punching bag. They're LeBron and the Heatles, their punching bag. And it's also just a great lesson in sports that, like, no matter your, your, yeah, no matter your outlook, you know, I mean, that full faith in, in what you have there, there's just something around the corner. That's, that's why funny. the process, dude. I, I, I'm a fan of the process. I'm a fan of what he was doing. Uh, 
Because I, 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 as a diehard Pacers fan, ever since LeBron left Cleveland the second time, I see what, what being earnest in your pursuit of winning NBA basketball games gets you. It gets you nothing. It gets you the, the 17th pick in the draft every year, Tate. Mm-hmm. That's all it gets you. And then the wheels just continue to spin, and you never get better. And the, 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 the most excitement you can ever get is that Victor Oladipo gets traded there, and it's a hometown guy that's not actually from there but went to college there, so we all act like it's a hometown guy. And that, that's, that's it. That's the most you can ask for as a Pacers fan. <laughs> Bring home Gordon Hayward. That's, what, that's all we're saying. Bring home Brad Stevens. <laughs> is that too much to ask? Brad, Brad Stevens, Stevens was one of the first comments I saw on Nate McMillan. He came out and he was like, Nate's a great coach. I hate to see that. And I was like, oh, Brad, yeah, seems like you're tuned into the Pacers. Interesting. Yeah, you seem hmm. to really know a lot about this situation, Brad. Why would you know that? Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else. That's all I got. That's all um, my shout outs. Yeah, that's a great list of shout outs. My my last thing, I want to shout out Vince Carter uh, for his return. No, I'm kidding. I, I, <laughs> I want to shout out the listeners again. Uh, we said yeah. thank you last time. I guess maybe a word of encouragement because I feel like uh, we got to do this every so every so often. We thank everyone for listening. Every so often, you got to remind people things might be okay. And mm. uh, right now, it sucks again. Like it feels like the weight of the world is once again like collapsing in on everybody. And there's hurricanes going on. There's fires in California. There's uh, the, the Jacob Blake situation that's now spilled over into all sports and the elections coming up, which is oof, something else. And uh, yeah. And, and I think that, that it's sometimes you just need to hear someone else say it's okay to not be okay. And I guess that's what I want to do. And just, just remind everyone that like the last six months, it sucks. It's brought out. I feel like it, the last six months have brought out the worst in everyone. Just that like every single person in this country is on edge at all times for, for, Rightfully, rightfully so for various reasons. And we are all operating at a place of being on edge. And, and by coming from that position, we assume the worst and everyone else. And it just kind of spiraled and, and it's, it's kind of getting out of control. But at the same time, I just want to encourage everyone to pump the brakes and remember that love and empathy are always the answer. Uh, uh, just try to understand a different viewpoint, like seriously try um, I'm not lecturing anybody. I'm not telling you what's right or wrong. I'm just encouraging you. If, if any part of you has ever sat there and thought to yourself, why does, why does that keep happening? Why do those people continue to yell that? And, and, and they've yelled it for a while. Like, I don't know, take some time and like really think about it. Like really look into it and be earnest with your approach and give it an honest effort and, and don't go into it with bad faith and, and, and all that. And maybe you'll learn something. And ultimately, and the other point I'd make Tate is, entertaining a point of view does not mean you have to accept it. So maybe you, you look into what someone's point of view is and ultimately you're like, no, they're still wrong. I still disagree. But just by taking the time and the effort to try to understand the other person, you're that's already humanity. kind of, that's humanity. Yeah. That's what humanity is. And I just want to encourage people. And, and at a time when it feels like there's nothing any of us can do and the problems are far above our heads, uh, I just want to encourage everyone to, to what's the phrase, tend to the garden, you can, the part of the garden you can touch. I, mm-hmm. I heard that one time. Um, just tend to the part of the garden you can touch. If all, if all, the only capacity you have is to love those around you, that's enough because then they can go love the other people around them and it gets passed on. And that sounds hippy-dippy, I know, but I also believe in it. And I think uh, that's, that's how change happens. Kind of like the NBA thing. Like they, them, them sitting out for two days isn't going to fix all the problems, but – if nobody ever did anything, nothing would ever change. So I don't know. We try need, to try to change. Love we somebody. need to evolve and we need love. There you go. So that's it. Uh, I'm off to learn how to sail. So you might not ever see from me again. I, I, the captain might hand over the, 
the ropes. Oh, Captain, like, Captain. Titus, Titus, you got it. You, you, you watched YouTube, right? And I'm like, sir, I've watched every YouTube on sailing. It's like, take over for us. And then I steer us directly into a cliff. And that's all you hear from me. So you got it. You, you, got, a little motor, you got a little motor on the back that goes like 15 knots. <laughs> yeah. you, you'll be fine. They can always get you back. If you don't hear from me next week, if Tate's doing the show by himself, that's what happened. So um, I'll be sure to let him know what's going on. I give him the update. I am just D'Angelo now. I've lost Jeff. <laughs> all right. That's the show. Thanks for listening, guys. See you.